Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Small Town EP. In a week where we get the AL and NL Cy Young Awards, as well as AL and NL MVPs, we have school ground fights in the NBA in-season tournament, and we come to learn that Draymond Green has paid about $2.3 million in technical foul fines over his career. I'm joined by your host, June. Brody, what's the biggest fine you've paid thus far in your life? I mean, I blew my car's engine and ended up having to pay almost four grand for it. So, <laughs> but I haven't done You're anything gonna... fine worthy. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to the tune of two point three. You saw I did that tune two point three. I'm nice with it, bro. I'm nice with it. And since that was probably one of the biggest stories of the week, let's just jump right into it. We had a rumble in the bay. We saw Draymond Green literally put Rudy Gobert in a full Nelson headlock. <laughs> One of the craziest things I've seen, maybe since the since the since the brawl in the palace. Honestly, that was kind of wild. We've seen some well, crazy I mean, there's things. Been, there's been a there's been a few things since then, like you know, Mello. Remember when Mello fought J.R. Smith? Uh, uh, <laughs> he took him and started running back. Fought. I remember that. Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that one of the one of Melo's softest moments, but we'll 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 digress. We'll digress. We did see Draymond Green get suspended five games. The NBA says, "Hey, we took into consideration a lot of things, not just this incident." Do you think those five games were enough, June? Enough? Yeah, I, I think it was enough because it's like it wasn't. You know, they didn't throw a punch, but he sent a message. You know, and. I think five games is pretty appropriate. It was it was it was a little excessive on his part. This is who he is, though, and there's tension between Rudy Gobert already in the league, Draymond Green, and the Warriors, Timberwolves. You know, this is like a rivalry brewing. I think five games is fair. Um, I think five games is fair if we're not if it's not fair if you're saying that you took into consideration like past events and him stomping on Sabonis and (laughs) all the extracurriculars I think at this point man and it kind of it's it's a little rocky to say but Draymond Green could be remembered kind of like the Scottie Pippen of our era bro like I think outside of the championships that he's won, he might be remembered more for the antics on the court, actually, funny enough, um, than his success. How do you feel about that? So when you say Scottie Pippen, I mean, I don't necessarily know Scottie Pippen to do. Maybe Dennis Rodman. I'm sorry, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. I I figured, I'm sorry. I'm tripping. Dennis Rodman, um, sorry to the listeners. (laughs) Again, going back to what we were talking about, what, last week or so, when we brought up James Harden, or every time we bring up James Harden, it's fun to make fun of, you know, these guys. And it's, like, easy to just say the joke on Twitter or make a meme out of something. Like, that picture right there is going to go down in history with Gobert in a headlock. So, if anything, he's going to be remembered, Draymond Green, for the guy that put that nigga in a headlock. You know what I'm saying? Like... (laughs) <laughs> That's what he'll be remembered for. But at the same time, Draymond Green has had countless contributions in championship, you know, wins and big playoff moments. 
so to put respect where it's due as a non-casual or whatever the case is, you know, somebody that actually appreciates the sport. No, Draymond Green, we knew what he did. And and to the point of, like, a Dennis Rodman as well. Like, you think of Dennis we Rodman, what you might did. think of, like, a Ron Artest. Ron Artest is more the guy, I think, that's comparable to Draymond Green because he loses his cool a lot and he's known for that, you know. <clears throat> Dennis Rodman was known to me more, like, off the court with the, with the shit. With the Vegas. Like Meta World Peace. Yeah. He was actually on the court, you know, um, being a menace. And remember, he, he elbowed James Harden that one time. Uh, so at, when you think of Ron Artest, I think of, you know, a really great player. Draymond Green has rings to prove that he's a great player. You know what I'm saying? So I think we'll remember him for more. That's fair. That's fair. And like you said, we do remember Dennis Rodman for both on and off the court, you know. Some of us remember him, like you were saying, for, you know, going to Las Vegas in the middle of the season and being right. AWOL. And we also remember him, you know, 20, 25 rebounds a game, being a dominant presence, like, you know, doing what it needed to be done to win championships. This NBA in-season tournament, it seems to be getting chippy. I mean, the same night we saw a little little, little tussle in the, in the Lakers game as well with uh, Anthony Davis – and company. Do you think the NBA in-season tournament is good for the NBA? Yeah, because if anything, these guys want more money, you know? And so so this kind of just popped in my head, but you know how we say they don't play for rings, they play for money now? It's like, <laughs> okay, if you're playing for money, well, this in-season tournament is for you because if you win this, guess what? More money in your pocket. So, like, at the end of the day, I think um, these guys respect their job enough, you know, to where they're gonna they're gonna bring it regardless of the fact if it was for money or not. Uh, having another trophy to play for, you know, another thing to say you can be a champion of or win in a competitive uh, spirit is is always something good. So I, I do think it's good for the NBA. Um, we're seeing teams like Indiana, you know, compete. <laughs> And and they're they're putting up quality wins. We're seeing teams like you know, obviously Miami. And as bad as the Lakers have <laughs> kind of looked in in certain points, they've beat the Suns and the Grizzlies. You know, uh, to be two and zero in their in season tournament record. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, credit to them. And uh, you got teams like the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Pistons. You know, winless. Wizards, obviously, in the in the in season tournament, but I think a, a big surprise this year is the Grizzlies. Man, like we knew that John Morant being suspended was going to do a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of us Absolutely. knew that Dylan Brooks leaving was going to be a lot, but we didn't think that you know coming into the season they weren't going to be nearly as competitive as last year, and they looked like you know. Uh, uh, a bottom tier team at two and nine sitting 15 in the West right now. So a little alarming, but it's going to be interesting to see now that we're 11 games in John Morant still has about 14 games on suspension. What is he going to be able to do to bring things back to, you know, what this team could be? Obviously Steven Adams being out for the year really hurts. Brandon Clark still injured, doesn't help. But Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, uh, you guys 
should at least be better than two and nine at this point in the season. Is all I'm saying. Oh, facts, facts, facts. I want to double back to the rumble in the bay because that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Rudy Gobert's comments about Draymond Green not wanting to play <laughs> if Steph's not on the court. There's actual statistical facts to back this up. I don't have the exact stats in front of me right now. But I believe he has like three or four more ejections in games where Steph isn't playing that he's in versus Steph versus games that Steph is playing in. What do you make of that? Because there's certain numbers that back up this up, that back this up. And honestly, to me, it's just hilarious that Rudy Gobert would say something like that when that's not really something you're just going to say to say unless you have, you know, seen or, right. or truly wholeheartedly believe. Yeah, I mean, these guys around the league know each other, and the narrative is that Draymond doesn't like to play when Steph isn't playing, but uh, I think the truth to this one is more so Minnesota and Golden State have played in chippy games, and this season they played in a chippy game a couple of days before this. That's how you end up, I mean, less than two minutes into the game, <laughs> zero zero bro like you're putting people <laughs> in a chokehold you came out here with no intention to play they, like so then it's like what do you say to that you you less than two minutes in the game you know i do believe there is some truth to that narrative where draymond doesn't want to play when steph doesn't play why don't you want to play with clay i mean come on man it's half the splash bros <laughs> They're saying uh, I think it was Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith said that he's not he's not really recognizing this this version of Clay Thompson right now, and um, I wouldn't necessarily say shell of himself, but we have seen the regression since the 2019 Finals where he got hurt, and he hasn't necessarily taken that you know splash bro get back because it was a point where Steph and Clay were enough, right? They Steph Clay and Draymond and uh, doing what he does. That was enough to beat your favorite team. But nowadays, you know, Clay Thompson isn't as dominant on the defensive end and he isn't as uh, efficient on offense anymore. There it is. There it is. The other night we saw a hell of a game in the State Farm Arena down here in Atlanta, Georgia. Knicks come out on victorious as they visit the State Farm Arena and the Atlanta Hawks, 116-114. to 114. Mitchell Robinson, 6 points, 15 rebounds. Julius Randle, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, flirting with a double-double after, you know, the beginning of the season started and, and certain fans and people were, were questioning his commitment and his desire to even play ball, which happens every year around certain times of the year, as we yeah. as we all know. I know you were tapped in to the game. The entire group chat that we're in was tapped into the game. How much did you enjoy that game, man? Because it, it, it really kind of looked like playoff basketball to me, to be honest. So <clears throat> I'll be honest. I wasn't, I was tapped in as far as keeping up because I'm, you know, locksmiths and then uh group chat. I got with Sean and the Knicks fans shot the more bro breeze, but and Jay Nikki. I'm not going to sit there and watch no Knicks game if it's not on ESPN. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. So, especially versus the Hawks. You know, if it's on, if it's like a, you know, Friday night and they got Knicks versus Celtics and it's on whatever, uh, Boston channel, Nesson, sports, cool. 
I'll watch a good game, but I'm not going to sit at my house on a Wednesday night watching Knicks Hawks. Um, but obviously, I keep up with the updates and see what's going on. Jalen Brunson was able to close that one out. And, you know, I feel like I've gotten back into my ways. Like back in the day, I used to fall asleep to Sports Center. So I started falling asleep to Sports Center a little bit now. And um, I get to catch the top 10 plays and catch some NBA highlights here and there. Um, but it's 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 like a it's more of a nostalgic thing more than anything, just to to kind of hey. wake up to hearing you know what I'm saying the same highlights that you heard last night in the morning. Them shits hit this different every time. It's like you just watched them it's for different. the first time over. It's again. different. It's but um, nah, Jalen Brunson was definitely able to uh, outplay Trey Young in that one. Twenty four eight assists, no rebounds, which is Emmanuel quickly and Jalen Brunson no rebounds. I. I'm not going to lie, put a better effort out on rebounding because I know Mitchell Robinson got 15 of them and a lot of them were offensive rebounds. They're giving them best offensive rebounder in the league, um, which is cool, but that doesn't mean you go out there and, and not get any rebounds. Yeah, I think if you're playing and you're a starter or a six man, as these two are, have some more pride. Quentin Grimes, one rebound, have some more pride. Thousand percent, thousand percent. I love Trey Young with the 17 assists and the 15 points. Honestly, the 15 points don't look impressive, yeah. but when you add 17 assists to that, you're responsible for, what is that, like 49 points of the 114 that your team had. So he's definitely learning to be more of a facilitator, more of a leader. Certain Hawks fans that I've spoken to in the city, now that I'm in the city, are saying that he is kind of oh, a shell yeah. of himself. It still it still um, doesn't click all the time that you're in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, they're saying he's still kind of a shell of himself, and I think he only had like five points in the first half, and he turned it up in the second half a little bit, but he was definitely facilitating the ball. I also know that you mentioned Indiana, Indiana earlier. Tyrese Halliburton, man, 33 points the other night. Flirted with the triple-double, or a double-double, if I'm not mistaken. Apologies. No turnovers was the, I think, the highlight that everyone's been focused on, that he was so efficient, had no turnovers. And to answer the question that I asked you, I absolutely think that this NBA in-season tournament is great for the league, yeah. great for the sport. Um, you're looking and you're seeing players ball out because at the end of the day, that's an extra $500,000 in your bacon count that's not there right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, just ask Jimbo Fisher. He's at home right now for seventy six or ninety six million, anyway. So <laughs> they say he's getting. They say he's getting twenty six bands a day for the next eight years. Listen, man, I enjoy hard work and I have a work ethic. But if you're gonna give me ninety six M's to to chill out with the yo, we're going to we're going to Italy. We're going to the Amalfi Coast. We're going. I don't even know, man. I'm booking a flight and we're all out. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm gonna ask Drake. I'm gonna um, ask Drake to use his shit. I'm not gonna lie. If I have that much money, facts, facts, facts. Listen, the topic that we don't want to talk about, what we keep talking about, the L.A. Clippers, man, and this time. Another loss, 0-6. James Harden comes out and says what any man that stands on business would say. When we figure <laughs> this out, <laughs> it's going to get Give me scary. some time. <laughs> Just give me some time. I swear, 24, Listen. you know, 21-4-2. Tw 
with with Paul George's thirty five point seven rebound effort. Ray, before you sit, you mind um cutting the fan off on me, please? I think that's really killing my sinus. <clears throat> um, it, it's it's sad to see that you know Paul George is is going out there and putting up all these buckets, and it's just not enough. Uh, I still am gonna stand on what I was saying. What I was saying. Uh, sorry, we just. <laughs> I was like, yo, he got mad thing just now. Um, I still stand on what I was saying as far as the Clippers, though. You know, and and being able to figure it out, I feel like I'm. I feel James Harden, uh, and I'll die on that hill. It's funny because Scott Van Pelt, he's basically on the hill of the Bills are good and that the Bills are still <laughs> going to make the playoffs and they'll figure things out. And he's like, we'll I'm talk here. about the Bills. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. And Ryan Clark's like, well, you're dead. But I'm on, <laughs> we're only six games into this, or yeah, six games into this yeah. James Harden experience. And, um, it was a good game versus the Denver Nuggets. If we put things into perspective, 111 to 108, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was, it, you know, Nikola Jokic going for 32, 16, and 9. What are you going to do? You got a Zubox over there trying to guard him. Come on, but man. at the end of the day, uh, they played good basketball, and it was it was promising to see. Did you have anything else on the Clippers? Yeah. You think, do you think James Harden should accept and learn to come off the bench? Do you think that's what will, will make this work? Him? No being the leader of his own second team because I just don't see this starting lineup working, bro. I just don't see it. You know what? I said no, but I, I feel like it could work. I don't know that he's going to be able to have that mentality to be able, you know, to go back to that bench role where he came from to start his career. I think that, that he, you know, he had the deal with Houston or whatever, and they're saying that he told Udoka that he wanted to be the scoring champ, and that kind of made them rescind their offer. If that's the case, then I don't see him mentally, you know, strong enough to be able to come off the bench, whether he's leading the second unit or not. It's just more of an off-the-bench thing that at this point in his career, it's not. I would say Russell Westbrook, if anything, um, but maybe in 10 games, it shows that this might be what you have to do, you know? It's still really early, and we're talking about basketball, and thankfully we've gotten through 12 games for the most part, but six games with this experience for James Harden, this first six games of the season that he didn't play preseason, you know, he wasn't at training camp, he wasn't with the team he's on now a month and a half ago. So I do think we should cut him some slack. And I do think we should understand that getting in basketball shape takes time. We'll, we'll start to see it. We'll start to see it soon enough. I mean, he's putting up air balls. That's clearly showing you his legs aren't under him 100%. So, um, yeah. I did I did want to talk about the heat, though, because seven straight. Seven straight. Talk we won tonight. Oh, yeah. We won tonight versus Brooklyn at home. Uh, Jimmy and covered Butler the three-and-a-half-point spread as well. That's lit. Jimmy Butler had a... 18-point third quarter, finished with 36. That's his season high. Bam out of bio, finished with 20 and 7. Uh, Duncan Robinson with a smooth 26. 6 from 10. 6 from 10 or 11 from, from 3 by the time I stopped watching. And uh, Hake is another double-figure game. 10, 5, and 4 in 33 minutes. I mean, I love to see Jaime Hake getting 33 minutes. 
bro, uh, so explosive and just like like he knows what to do. His court awareness, his vision, yeah, yeah. it's all there. And and we saw it. We saw it when he was at UCLA. He was he was a leader on the floor at all times when he was at UCLA, and it's transitioning quite fluidly into the NBA yeah. at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you you got to give credit to Coach Spo. You know, just getting and keeping the right guys out there. We shot fifty one point nine from the field and forty two point nine from three. Ninety five made twenty three of twenty four free throws tonight. That's huge, and because we got out rebounded, uh, thirty two to forty by eight. Right, they had more assists than us. They had more points in the paint than us. But when you hit your free throws and they shoot 21 or 27, and that's not the sole reason they lost, but that's six points right there, and they lost by seven. You know what I mean? So it's just a whole other ball game and situation that you put yourself in when you shoot efficiently from the free throw line. And uh, I know that that's something every year that the Miami Heat strive to, you know, really, really excel at mm -hmm. is hitting free throws. And we got – Solid Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo, who are almost automatic uh, at the line. Come on, man! I've I've been you know with the All Things Sports podcast for the better half of about two and a half years now. And what's the uh, one thing I say every NBA season? You gotta hit your free throws. Yep. You just have to because those will win or lose you the game. About eight times out of ten, I will say honestly, about eight times out of ten, if you don't hit your free throws. You're yeah. probably going to lose the game. If you hit them, you might. You're probably going to win the game, right? We got a very interesting Thursday night matchup in this football world right now. I want to transition over to uh, yeah. pigskin, as they say. Hey, shout to Ray in the comments. You're always, always, always. Shout out to Ray. Shout out to Ray. The Bengals, man, down 11. I'm going to pull this up real quick. But, yeah, down 11 to the Ravens in Baltimore. Joey Burrow is out with a wrist injury, will not return tonight. Mm. My original question was going to be, what do they need to do in the second half to end this 0-14 primetime on the road record in the last 10 seasons? But without Jerry Burrow, that question doesn't really hold weight. This division at this point, and we'll get to the Browns in a second, who are in a very similar position. <laughs> At this point, it just looks like the Ra this is the Ravens for the taking. Like, it's it's the Ravens for the taking. It's the Ravens to lose this division if they choose to lose this division. What are you seeing? What what? Because this, this is – I don't even have a question anymore because of what just happened <laughs> a couple of minutes ago in the game. Jerry Burrow's out with a wrist injury, will not return. Jamar Chase, five targets, one catch, ten yards. I have him for over 80 yards on a ticket. That's not going to happen at this point. This is this is kind of wild, man. What do you make of this matchup and, and what's currently going on in this AFC North right now? Well, I mean, the AFC North in general is tight, you know, so I'm not going to put a stamp on what happens. We have a big weekend starting with this game uh, tonight. It's still, like you said, an 11-point game, so you can't count out the Bengals even though they don't have their starting quarterback, um, the thing is the Ravens have struggled to finish games in which they're up, even in the fourth quarter. So yes, just with that little caveat, it makes me interested to see like, you know, all right, how, how 
because this Ravens team should win this game. You know, this Ravens team should definitely win this game. There's no question that I shouldn't. I shouldn't be talking in this way. I should say, yeah, Joe Burrow's out. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's already got 200 yards, 32 rush yards, two touchdowns. They'll win this game. But the Ravens have brought to our attention that hey, in years past and this year, we found ways to let games slip away. And so, um, what I'm interested to see is that yeah, this this Bengals team. I mean, this Ravens team. Looks like they're poised to win the division. They're up a game on the Steelers, you know, at seven and three. Looks like they'll finish eight and three tonight. And the Steelers got to go play the Browns, who the Browns now are playing back again with their backup quarterback. So we'll talk about that game in a second. But back to this Ravens game, I do think the Ravens are going to show tonight that we are a legit playoff team. We are a legit championship contender. And not only are we going to finish this game, I think they're going to put a little more on the Bengals tonight. While we uh, mm. while we don't expect Joe Burrow to come back and be able to save the day, you know what I'm saying. So shout out to the Ravens. There's a minute and a half left in the third quarter. It's 24-13, and I see Lamar Jackson scoring at least another touchdown, and and this Ravens offense possibly getting another two to three scores, maybe you know two touchdowns and a field goal, or or vice versa. So uh, I, it is. I like it. Shout out to Cardi in the comments uh, saying Lamar gets his ring this year. I'm yes, aware sir. of a young man by the name of Patrick Mahomes that would have something else to say about that. Uh, but, you know, uh, we don't really have to. What's what's understood doesn't have to be said, as they say. Let's move over to, as we were just talking about, the Browns that play the Steelers this week. And Deshaun Watson showed up to the post game of the Ravens game with a boot on his foot. And ends up with a shoulder injury, (laughs) a season-ending shoulder injury. Is the Brown season over, buddy? What do you think? Definitely. Um, With a defense like that, you can only do so much. The Jets have the best defense in the league, and their quarterback plays. (laughs) And their offense, honestly. I can't even keep just – Zach Wilson is a big part of it, but – that offense in general, we, we see it. Um, it's bottom. It's definitely bottom five. So, uh, as I'm talking to you right now, Lamar Jackson is is doing. That was almost listen. That was almost number one play on ESPN. Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson. It was just out of bounds, but he scrambled, scrambled, scrambled and evaded a nice sack, got out the other way, threw a deep ball into the end zone, and just missed him by a second because he, he his foot was out of bounds. But um, if you could kind of help me get back on track here. Uh, with the Browns season. With the Browns. You know, their, their offense is not going to be good enough without Deshaun Watson. We see them at their best when Deshaun Watson playing good. Last week, you know, 14 to 14 in the second half, and they come back and beat this Ravens team that's putting it on the Bengals right now. So I, I, I do think, unfortunately, this ends their season. Pittsburgh should have beat them, or Pittsburgh beat them the first time, and we were talking about that last week where the Browns should have mm-hmm. won, but uh, Pittsburgh looks like they're going to be uh, able to sweep them because I don't see a backup quarterback beating that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. No, sir. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Were you surprised at the call that Cleveland made? to start DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson over P.J. Walker, a rookie over a four-year veteran. Well, yeah, four-year that, veteran that doesn't get PT, but... 
I mean, you you know, with, with PJ Walker, you know what you're going to get. And that's the good thing. You know, you know that he's going to compete. He's going to go out there and he's not going to just like embarrass the team. But DTR has showed that he can go out there and put on for the city and do some things. So maybe it's a point of like, you know what? Let's ride with the young guy. We got him. He's new, you know, and and he has earned the right to be able to start in place of our starting quarterback. Uh, so let's let's try to see what we can get, you know, out of him. We know what PJ Walker is, as I said, and you know his like ceiling. DTR might mm-hmm. have a higher ceiling, you know. What's odd about this whole situation is that to start the 2023-2024 season this year, the backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns was Josh Dobbs. And now Josh Dobbs is on a 5-0 and in the last five weeks Minnesota Vikings team after being emergency traded for because Kirk Cousins went out. The Jets didn't trade for Josh Dobbs. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I want to rewind the clock a little bit because we spoke about this game while it was going on. And by this game, I mean Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills that happened on Monday night. And you said the Bills would win. I'm still a hater, and I said that Denver would win. I kind of said it between my teeth because I wasn't exactly uh, too confident with Mr. Russell Wilson and, and uh, Sean Payton and what they're doing over there in the Mile High City. But we saw it. We we literally saw one of the wildest endings to a game where you leave 12 men on the field. And when I say you, I mean the Bills. And literally just, just blow the game. Now, aftermath of the game, the Bills fire the offensive coordinator. Does this scream panic to you, June? Um, not necessarily because... I mean, the Bills are at a point of the season where it's put up or shut up, right? And they've gotten themselves here. So just because they turned the ball over four times, which I don't think this loss is on Ken Dorsey, Ken Dorsey per se, but that's not to say that the last few weeks, you know, offensive mishaps uh, can't be on Ken Dorsey. And there's also the, you know, the chain, like, if it's the quarterback or the coach, it's going to be the coach. You have a franchise quarterback. You're not going to just release Josh Allen. Josh Allen has the most turnovers since he's come in the league as a quarterback. Um, he's showing that every single year he's been in the league, he has a high interception rate. These are things that come back to haunt this Bills team and don't let them get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. That gap and that window of time has closed. This is like one of their last years, if not their last year with this team, to be able to figure things out. And so somebody's got to go. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to take the hit. And we talked about Sean McDermott. A couple people got to go. <laughs> we talked about Sean McDermott, uh, you know, possibly being on a hot seat with a loss here. And Sean McDermott's like, yo, look, we're not going to light no fire into my ass. I'm about to let somebody go right now. Pressure's on. What's up? I'm the boss. <laughs> and that's probably how he felt after the game, like a little inclined to make some sort of change because Buffalo's, what are they, 5-5 five and five now? Yes, sir. If they lose this week, who does Buffalo get next week? I can tell you right now because I have it pulled up. But, oh, they play the Jets. How the hell? Come on, man. They play the Jets. 
who beat them we in saw, the season. We saw opener. the first game of the season this year and how they lost. They didn't. They Josh Allen had th- what three interceptions or so and a fumble. And that's the best defense in the league. So if they get swept by the Jets, oh, so I'm gonna out of here. Yeah, now we start looking at what's what. I don't know that it was so fast, especially with <laughs> Leslie so Frazier going down and not, you know, them not having a who's going to be the interim head coach. You know, like they might just finish off the season unless it gets really, really ugly. But I think they'll, I think they'll, uh, they'll probably let him rock. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that you can put Ken Dorsey or put the blame on Ken Dorsey for these losses. Definitely, he's, he's you know, culpable and he has to be held accountable. I don't think that firing him solves your issue at all, personally. I hope he does land it as the offensive coordinator for the Hurricanes, but, you know, that's neither here nor there, you know? I'm a modern type shit, you feel me? Um, yeah, I, 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 don't see, I don't see this fixing their problem. I was a little interest, interested in Josh Allen's reaction, and he kind of was didn't really seem surprised. It didn't seem like bothered it was just like yeah i mean so i won i would want to i want to know who obviously we know who made the call you know head office made the call but like behind the scenes who really made that call right to me Um, to me that's mcdermott to me it's mcdermott i do think that if the jets pull this sweep off which again i'm gonna put my bills hater and josh allen hater hat on right now I do think it'll happen. <laughs> I do think that if this happens, or when this happens, for that matter, just put a stamp on it, McDermott's out. And and I got a hot take for you. McDermott and Stefan Diggs will not be a part of the Buffalo Bills organization next season. I, I will. And, and this is the 11-16-2023 ATS episode. McDermott and Stefan Diggs will not be Buffalo Bills next year. Shout out to Kev in the comments saying McDermott needs to try to save his job in any way possible. I think you guys are poised for a win this weekend, Kev, and it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a sweet one, all right? <laughs> pump, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I don't see, I don't see that Jets offense doing nothing. Oh, my God. Hey, listen, we can head over to the MLB real quick because obviously we got some Cy Youngs, some MVP awards. And really, June, I'm going to let you talk your shit because we had a take at the beginning of the season. And, you know, everything kind of came to fruition, man. Talk to me. Ronald Acuna, AL MVP. Yeah, man, this this is a, a guy who got hurt last year. And it's not just how he approaches the game. It's it's about how he does things. Like, first of all, 73 stolen bases and 40 home runs. 70 stolen bases and 40 home runs. We got to let that sink in. Because when I came into the season, I didn't necessarily think that he was going to come in and bat 337, get 100 RBIs, steal 70 bases, 150 runs, 49, and 40 home runs. This is this is Hall of Fame like this is a Hall of Fame season stat line right here. This is like one of the best seasons you can have as a hitter and as a, as a as an individual player. Um 
So for him to have, you know, responded from the injury this way and put the Braves back into contention the way they were, uh, sad that they, you know, were disappointments in that first round of the playoffs. So we don't, you know, we don't want to necessarily blame them for that, but uh, not blame, but uh, we don't want to kind of let them get away with it. However, this is an MVP moment, right? We're talking about what he did all season for 100. How many games did he play? Uh, Let me see. 2023, 159 games. Look at that. So give him credit. And then on that, uh, you know, we knew that AL MVP. We knew, and we know who's going to win it next year. It's going to be a back-to-back. Shohei Otani. It's going to be a back-to-back. This is a three-time All-Star Rookie of the Year MVP. He had 150 hits, 44 uh, 44 home runs, bat 304, 20 stolen bases, and 95 RBIs. 100 runs scored, 102. And, And let's not forget, he's a pitcher. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't see him in an Angels uniform next year, um, personally. But definitely, oh no, he's gone. He's a free agent. He's gone. Uh, I I hope they're saying the Mets, you know, are interested, and I really hope Shohei, you know, make a great decision and don't go to the Mets. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Oh man, I want to walk back some uh, comments that I said privately to you uh, here publicly on the on the podcast. Blake Snell. NL Cy Young. I, I I looked at the numbers. I looked at the at the stat sheet and the game log. And, you know, that's what they call him in baseball. And he, he started the season rocky. He straightened it up. Pause. And you know, he kind of he 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 kept the train moving. Essentially, the thing with me and why I said that I didn't understand why he won the NL Cy Young was. I feel like he's a very polar pitcher, but I think that also has to do with the curse of being a left-handed pitcher. Um, there's not many left-handed pitchers, not many left-handed people in the world for that matter, but yeah, right. left-handed pitchers tend, tend to have it a little rougher than, uh, than these right-handed pitchers. And I mean, with a 3.25 season ERA, definitely, man. Shout out to Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres winning that, uh, that NL Cy Young. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, he, he deserved it. You know, he, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. 14-9 and in 32 starts. You know, he's a, he's a career 3.20 ERA, and he had a 2.25 ERA. I mean, that that 2.25 ERA alone, you know, puts you in that yeah, side. Yeah, 2.25, thank you. Discussion this is disgusting. Nobody's hitting that. And when you – that's really – you know, you look at the wins and losses, um, of course – which 14 to nine, that's where maybe you, you, you could see and be like, eh, you know, I don't know if, if he, but when you really look into what he's doing and, and the pitches he's making and the guys he's getting to miss, that, that all accumulates to 234 strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. 234 strikeouts and 180 innings pitched is crazy. That's, 45 that's crazy. runs all season, 15 home runs, limited hard contact. Why he was on the mound? Crazy. Again, we're talking about the San Diego Padres, obviously. So you know it is what it is, as they say. Juan but Soto definitely... is also probably not going to be a San Diego Padre next year. I heard it from uh, Buster <laughs> Olney. 
<laughs> and not that you like to talk about them, but come on, man. That boy Garrett Cole. Yeah. AL Cy Young. Yeah. And again, he he never ceases to disappoint. I actually think he had a much better season than I expected him to have because I, as a Yankee fan, as the ATS Yankee fan, am very critical of Garrett Cole because I feel like he's another per, another pitcher that is very polar. While he can come out and give you 11 Ks through seven innings and no earned runs, he's known to have at least one game a month where it's seven earned runs, <laughs> six hits, 4.2 innings yeah, pitch, yeah. and he gets up out of there. And this season, yeah, and this season, I I said it from a lot, and it didn't really, didn't really have any bad games. I mean, the worst game that I can see here, you know, unfortunately, against your Boston Red Sox. Didn't have any six. bad games. I'm, I, I don't know. If, I'll let you live. I'll let you live. I'm sure there's an argument to that. I but mean, I'll let you. six earned runs, but again, season – Two point six three. Yeah, yeah. You look at that that fifteen and four, two point six, because you know what Blake Snell is doing is nasty, and he's actually doing it and similar to the same, and and also getting the wins and and limiting the losses. So fifteen and four record, like we just said, two point six three ERA, two hundred and twenty two strikeouts, and a point nine eight WHIP with you know runners in hitting position. Yeah. Which means not only is he limiting contact, but if you do get on base, you're probably not going to make it home if I'm on the mound. Shout out to that man, Garrett Cole. Yep. <laughs> I want to keep it in New York because there is a bit of a feud going on right now with uh, Brian Cashman and Giancarlo Stanton. And very interesting to me, Cashman's choice of words here. And I'm going to read this quote verbatim so bear with me here cashman in a press conference said we can talk about it and it being limiting the time giancarlo isn't playing but i'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not he's going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be a part of his game but i know that when he's right and healthy other than this past year He's a great hitter and has been for a long time. This is a man. Other than this past that was... year is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man that, and in, in this being Giancarlo Stanton, that prior to coming to the Yankees, he was the NL MVP in Miami. Like, he's shown and he's proven. Yeah, I mean, players get banged up. No one wants to get injured. No one wants to see anybody get injured. It's, you know, not, yeah. not fun. It doesn't. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make for good sports. It doesn't make for that poetry motion that baseball truly is. Now, Giancarlo Stanton's agent, Joel Wolf, in an interview with The Athletic. So Giancarlo didn't reply or say anything. But Giancarlo's agent in an interview with The Athletic said, I'm going to read this verbatim as well. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, for that team, which is interesting to me, but but to play for that team, you got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. Now, for Giancarlo Stanton's agent to say this, it had to be approved yeah. by Giancarlo Stanton. How nasty are these comments coming from Brian Cashman, Jim? Um, 
And, and please leave your yeah, Red Sox bias aside. <laughs> no bias here. We, I, think... I, 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 need, I need you to answer without saying fuck the Yankees at the end, please. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> no, nah, I, I think it's fair. Because when you look at Giancarlo Stanton, you just mentioned he was an MVP in Miami. Then they paid him X amount of dollars. I don't know the dollar amount, but I feel like they're paying him enough to talk to him the way they want to talk to him, low-key. Like, mm. No, not literally, but like if the GM is giving the honest truth about you in a non-slick way, in a what did he say that was false is my is my point. You know what I'm saying? He didn't lie on him and just air his player out. This is a guy who's been on the Yankees for the last five, six years, and this has been who he is. He doesn't play all season. He will get hurt during the season for an extended period of time. When he does play, though, we see he can smack some shit. That's who Giancarlo Stan is, and that's the reality that Brian Cashman has has just. I mean, he's saying what we all see. So if he was to come out <laughs> and say something left or like super disrespectful or like really something that ain't true, I could understand why the agents got to go and attack and say something slick and this that a third. Yeah, Giancarlo Stan and his agent could be uptight, bro, and they could be butthurt about it. But guess what, bro? That's what you are. That's what you are. It's obviously, again, I, I asked you to leave your bias out of it. I'm not going to leave my bias out of it. Um, mm. <laughs> I, it just, it, 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 I said how nasty his comments, and I, I just like it. It's the other than this past year for me is, is just nasty work. Um, and it's to me, and I told you this in private, Brian Cashman has been a part of the Yankee organization for probably longer than most Yankee fans would like. That's one. But if there's one thing about cash, as they say, as they call him, is that he is very methodical with everything that he does. He's very sought out. And to me, to me, maybe, I don't know if anyone else has a sentiment, it seems like he's trying to get him up out of here. Because I don't think, like, again, I said that there's players that get injured in, you know, all around sports. This isn't something that's even been said about Ben, someone like Ben Simmons. I know this is a different sport, but I right. want to I, I, I want to kind of use that analogy because, and again, he's hurt right now as well. Um, <laughs> it's gonna <this> happen. <laughs> I don't think that's something that you say, you know, as a as a GM about about your players like that. And I do like the chess move that Joel Wolf played, as far as like, yo, heads up, y'all boys, if you're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's sick of it, bro. Like, think about it. He's got to feel. Re- he's really got to feel some type of way for him to have come out and said that. Like, you, you really got us tight. Like now, you you playing with us, and I just feel like he could have been way more of a dick about it. And he what? Like that is some asshole shit. I'm not gonna say like it's like he had to say it. No, he didn't have to say that. Of course, he didn't. But he ain't lying neither. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like maybe fucking this will wake you up and next year you play 120 games. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's it going to take, bro? Because you just lollygagging this shit and we're paying you all this money and we're not winning. Yankees ain't winning shit. They're just good. That's true. 
That's they're true. just good. So and this year they weren't good. So <laughs> yeah, especially this year. <laughs> and I uh, get it. So I do get it. You know, you you never want to hear as a fan your GM come out and talk about a player. Like when GM and player have a friction, now it's like, oh shit, you know, locker room, what's going on? I get it. From another perspective, like, you know, that's not my team or whatever the case. I mean, the truth, it's the truth, you know? So I see both sides, though. Definitely not as bad as when Derek Jeter asked him to not air out his contract stuff and he aired that shit out in public. But shout out to Kevin in the comments, Big Kev. Joel Wolf, and he he reminded me to mention this, Joel Wolf represents Yamamoto, too, and Yamamoto's a very star prospect right now, so... He's coming to Boston. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it, I, I. While again, I have a certain bias because I am a, a Yankee fan. I do think that this affects a lot more than just Giancarlo Stanton getting out of New York and the Yankees starting yeah. to get on this winning run again. Like it, it's it's as they say, it's bad for business, and it, it's just bad for business at the end of the day. And that's and I and I'm gonna leave it at that at that right there. I want to give a huge shout out to Coach John Shire. I keep forgetting to wear my thank you Coach K hoodie on this show when we talk about Duke, man. I, I really because at the end of the day, if it wasn't for Coach K, there probably wasn't would be for no Coach John K, Shire. man. None of that shit would have been real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Tough game against Michigan State. At, at moments, yeah. we we looked a little a little lost, a little out of tune, a little. Like we didn't know our, our vision on the court wasn't where it needed to be, but right. in typical Duke fashion, we, we, we like to play with our food and then, you know, finish the plate at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So shout out to coach hey, John Shire bouncing back. Yeah. <laughs> bouncing back <laughs> yeah. From that Arizona loss. And in his hometown of Chicago, which I'm sure was very special to him against a legendary, legendary coach by the name of Tom Izzo. Top five. Top five for sure. A lot of respect for what he does with that Michigan State program. Yeah. But it has to get frustrating losing to Duke almost every year and doing all this recruiting of these top prospects. <laughs> I don't want to bring man. race into it. I don't want to bring race into it, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to, shout out to Philip Kost, uh, Philipkowski too, man. He had a hell of yep. a game. Um, leader on the court. Yeah, him and Caleb Foster bought out. I, mm-hmm. Not to cut you off, I, I just I'm I'm excited with this three and one start. You know, it, it doesn't feel like we're not hungry. It doesn't feel like you know teams are just getting after us. Uh, no, it feels like you know we're, we're going after it this year. And John Shire, I think he just has a certain energy and vibe about him that his players want to play hard for him. And obviously, Coach K had a vibe where his players would play hard for him, but you know, things definitely got to certain points of, you know, his career or, you know, I feel like now there's a new energy and people aren't as comfortable as they once were, right? So uh, coming into the season three and one, rank nine, I'm excited for what, what comes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. June, Kevin says we got to throw a flag on a flag on the play for your Ohio State jacket. He says it's blasphemous. Shout out to Big Kevin in the comments. Oh, shout out to Big Kevin. <laughs> shout out to Starter. This is a fire Ohio State jacket. I am not one of those Hurricanes fans who hates on Ohio State. I don't because 
Um, I feel like the referees made the mistake in that game. Ohio State was a team that beat us, unfortunately. Uh, but that like, Odell Beckham just got a nice uh, pass to the 20. Oh, he might score. No, he got to the 15. That was nice. You know, I, what am I going to blame? What am I going to blame the school for? I mean, the ref made the horrible fucking call. At, you know, 20 minutes after the game finished, they threw the, threw the flag. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, if, if Kev feels any better, listen, bro, they got pushed off. They're number two now. They're not number one. Georgia is back in number one. They're number two. Michigan State's at three. Florida Fox. State's, uh, excuse me, Michigan's at three. Florida State's at four. And then you got Washington, Oregon, Texas at five, six, seven, with Alabama right there at that eight spot. So it's getting there as far as college football goes. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a jacket, my boy. We still, you know, we still, yo, where that hurricane jacket at? I ain't gonna lie. That was, we had a hurricane jacket, no trip. But, uh, <laughs> Georgia had to, you know, jump Ohio State. It was about time because the way they're able to dominate their games and and Ohio State, you see them week in and week out, not necessarily struggling, but it just doesn't look the same, right? It's not it, mm-hmm. it's not the same as uh, years past, and I think it all comes down to quarterback play. But nonetheless, they're still ranked. They're still undefeated. Um, and we got five undefeated teams and Washington at this point is going to be the oddball out, which it sucks because they got a good win against Oregon. Um, but at the end of the day, man, Florida state is doing their thing. Michigan's doing their thing amidst all the, you know, uh, cheating or sign stealing and coach suspension stuff they're dealing with. Um, I really thought Miami was going to beat Florida state at one point last week. And it didn't happen. So Washington's gonna need, you know, some sort of some sort of movement there in the top four for them to get that playoff berth. But nonetheless, I'm glad Georgia jumped Ohio State because I feel like they're the the best team in the country when it's all said and done. Yeah, we didn't talk too much about it, but I will say I do think that Michigan should have been ranked a little higher just based on how much of a statement that win against Penn State was without mm-hmm. Harborough on the sideline. I do think that, like I said, they made a statement in my head, and they should have been ranked a little higher this week. But again, in the words of some two wise men hey, that a lot of us watch, it is what it is. It is what it is. Facts. I just don't think, you know, they, and they beat Ohio State. It's not to say they haven't beat Ohio State, but you know, this year they haven't. So it, that that game is coming. That game is coming, and uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Listen, that was the All Things Sports Podcast on this Monday night. Ooh, on this Thursday night. I'm tripping. Thursday night football. 11-16-2023. We will see you this Sunday. We will recap the 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. games, as well as preview and maybe have a live looking at the 8 p.m. game this Sunday evening. Catch us here three times a week. If you tuned in live, we appreciate you for showing love. If you're listening on your streaming platforms, as always, we appreciate you showing love. My name is Small Town EP. I'm your co-host, joined by your host, Mr. Heat in 5 himself. See you soon, June. Wade Julian. We'll see you guys on Sunday.